Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episodes 58 through 60 Chapters 52 through 54 The Awakening Parts 1, 2, and 3 Hey, looky there! You came back. Or you showed up. Maybe for the first time. Although if you're here for the first time, this probably won't make much sense, but you do you. Either way, I'm happy you're here. This week, we saw a short collection of chapters. The Awakening, Parts 1, 2, and 3. We're beginning to see the effects of the cataclysm. That is, the destruction caused by Cocytus upon his escape from the other side. There's not much classic bomb stuff to talk about here. His influence in these chapters is pretty minimal. Actually, it's almost non-existent. There's also not a lot of personal stuff to be said either. At least, not that comes to mind as I sit here writing this Aftermath episode. But you never know, so I guess we'll see where this goes. Okay, now I've actually written the whole thing. It doesn't get really all that personal. So if you're if you're looking for that stuff, uh, yeah, don't know what to tell you. Anyways, in The Awakening Part 1, we find Dorothy, Mr. and the Woodman, locked in cages and carts being pulled by man-wolves. There's not a lot of plot here. In fact, there's less plot in this chapter than there is in the two that come after it. It's really more of a stepping stone, something to help get your bearings straight and set the course for the rest of the story. It also sets a little bit of tone for how far the characters have come. Mister is still pretty much the same. Dorothy came out of the other side stronger. She has no fear of the wolves. In fact, she yells at them and insults them and asserts her power as a witch killer. Though it doesn't really do her any good. The, the wolves, they don't really care that much. Honestly, I think she kind of comes off a little entitled here. But... You know, once you've been to hell and back, I suppose you're entitled to feel... entitled. The woodman, on the other hand, is afraid of their captors. And though he's trying not to show it, Dorothy can see his fear. He's almost resigned to this situation. Almost intentionally unhelpful. Dorothy is asking questions, and he's answering in stoic, sometimes passive-aggressive ways. In The Awakening Part 2, we meet up with Tip and Jack once more. Now, this chapter isn't super deep, it's not particularly complex, but it does come with the biggest revelation and plot twist up to this point. The two of them find themselves standing in the front of Reginald's mansion, or was left of it. The city of Ildayed has been ravaged. It's like a tornado has just ripped right through it. 
and neither Tip nor Jack can figure out what's just happened here. Tip takes this in stride. He is hardly concerned by it, and really hardly phased by it at all. His main concern is figuring out where the tree horse is, and making sure it's okay. It is okay. It emerges from a pile of rubble and happily shakes off the dust and debris. It's actually a pretty light-hearted moment, and I feel these characters deserve it, especially after everything they just went through. This chapter, of course, comes to an end when they meet the Lost Queen. Not Ozma. It's not Ozma. I know at one point I called Ozma the Lost Queen, but it, it's not. It's not. It's Gracia, the new Lost Queen. Anyways, as we all know by now, Gracia mysteriously disappeared a long time ago. And now, she has mysteriously reappeared. Ooh. Ah, bet you didn't see that one coming. Or maybe you did. I don't know. Am I, am I clever? Am I clever? You, you know better than me if I'm clever. I don't know if I'm clever. Anyways... That's pretty much all there is for that, for, 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 for part two. Uh, moving on to part three, we see the stranger. His now iconic encampment has been decimated, and in its place, a newly formed river. His following has been destroyed, his faith shaken, and his perception of reality in flux. Even though I'm the author of this, the narrator, the reader, the performer, whatever you want to call me. I have a hard time comprehending this idea myself. The world of Oz changed in the blink of an eye. Literally, the blink of an eye. It's unfathomable. Yet, these characters are expected to fathom it. Something like that. Where Dorothy and her companions woke up to find a new land and a new set of circumstances, it wasn't really the same as it was for everyone else. They can just assume a lot changed while they were gone in the other side. Also, they really haven't seen much of the new Oz yet, so the change doesn't seem all that drastic to them. At least... Not yet. Tip and Jack obviously experienced the cataclysm like everyone else, but neither of them were really affected by it. They've seen some strange things. They've done some strange things. And while the cataclysm came out of nowhere, and they are curious, they aren't really worried or afraid. The stranger, on the other hand, sees this as some sort of divine intervention, fate, destiny, a sign of a higher power. And he is not entirely wrong. He is traumatized by the death and destruction of his following. He played God, and now he's paying the price. This isn't necessarily personal. But he doesn't know that, if that makes any sense. He, he wasn't smited, smote, 
Whatever. Yeah, but he thinks he's being smited. Smote. Smit? Anyways, you get the idea. It, it it's not personal. He thinks it's personal. Let's uh let's move on. He sees his followers in various states of mutilation and death. The head in the shallows of the river, the broken arm sticking out of the side of the tree, the man stitched to the ground by tree roots threaded through him. He feels a tremendous guilt for leading these people astray, and he believes he is the cause of everything bad that's happened to them. He's unsure of where to go from here. He sees a murder of crows flying from a nearby tree, and decides following them will lead to his salvation. The lion gets very little in the way of plot or character development here. He stands on the other side of the river and continues to follow the stranger. And this concludes this week's Aftermath episode. Pretty short. Probably not that informative. Maybe not even that entertaining. Really just kind of a summary of the chapters. But, you know, you get what you get. Uh, unsubscribe if it's not what you want. But but I hope you don't unsubscribe. Don't, don't. Actually, forget I said that unsubscribing thing. Don't do that. Stick around. Come back. Come back for more. Because I've, I've got more. I've got more. It's going to get... Just don't leave. <laughs> if I missed something or failed to address something you feel I should have, let me know. I'm always open to questions, comments, or constructive criticism. You don't have to like this show. I'm not sure why you're listening, if you don't, though. But like it or not, you can be nice. I know you can. I believe in you. And certainly, that must count for something. Even if it's a little something. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can do that by email. It's darkdaysofdorothygale at outlook.com. There's no more Twitter or X, I guess, for this guy. But you can find me on the old TikTok where it's at darkdorothyg. Alternately, I appear on TikTok, Instagram, and that silly threads thing under the identity of at the ordinary sun. That's S-U-N, by the way. The Instagram feed actually does have a lot of fun Dark Days-themed artwork. It's it's pretty cool there, so if you're going to check one of the social networks out, that's probably the best one to check out. The, the TikTok one has some cool stuff, too. And, of course, if social media isn't your jam, there's always the official Dark Days website. DD of DG. Com. You can always find links to t-shirts and stickers and stuff there. Also, if you were a fan of all that Dante's Inferno stuff that I did back in part two of Darker Days, I've gone ahead and compiled a list of all my favorite Dante's Inferno resources. I've got links, brief summaries, and reviews of each place. 
so go ahead and check that out on the website as well. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale used to be on Amazon as an e-book, and also in paperback form. But at the time of this recording, the podcast is the only way to experience it. If you would like to support the show, buying a t-shirt or a sticker or something really is the coolest way to go about it. I'd rather you listen to the podcast and buy a shirt or a sticker than listen to the podcast and buy a book anyways. If you want to support my specific brand of creativity in a more direct and financial way, you can find me at buymeacoffee.com slash ordinarysun. Again, that's S-U-N. If you do that, I will send you a personal handwritten thank you note, complete with a fun little sketch. Seriously, I will write I will write it down. I'll stick it in an envelope, I'll put a stamp on it, I'll give it to the post office, and then they'll give it to a mail carrier somewhere, and then that mail carrier will give it to like maybe another carrier, and then that one will it, anyways, eventually it'll end up in your physical mailbox you you'll have it you'll have you can hold it and you know it's really not worth that much but it's cool i guess maybe also if you donate to the buy me a coffee i will give you a shout out on this here obscure podcast if if you want me to if you don't want me to i won't i won't shout you out i won't do that i i respect your privacy but you know if you don't want to donate to this cause, that's totally cool, too. Times be tough, they be. And I'm happy to do this either way. So come back next time for Chapter 55, Chad and Miles. Thanks for listening. I love you all. <laughs>